Hello and welcome to Data Driven. In this episode Frank and Andy welcome Jeff Coyle to the show. Jeff is the co-founder and chief product officer at Market News. Market News is the industry-leading technology and methodology for content planning and evaluation via semantic relevance. It combines advanced artificial intelligence, natural language processing and machine learning algorithms to produce actionable insights for inbound marketers. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emerging fields of data science, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. If you like to think of data as the new oil, then you can consider us, well, like car talk, because we focus on where the rubber meets the virtual road. And with me on this epic uh, virtual road trip across the information superhighway uh, is with me, as always, Andy Leonard. How's it going, Andy? Good, Frank. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. Um, we, um, I, I suppose by the time this goes out, this will be publicly announced, but uh, we're recording this on my last week at Microsoft. Yep. So, yeah. Congratulations on your uh, new gig. I know you don't want to mention that yet, but uh, I'm no, excited but, for you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully, if you folks who are watching uh, or listening to this, you'll have already seen the live streams and stuff that we've done. Plus, we've also, I'm going to put the pressure on us, Andy. Yeah. Uh, by the time this goes out, I want Ringgate, Project Ringgate, to be live. <laughs> what do you think? I, I'm excited. I think it's a great, uh, I think it's a great move. Um, we've been working on this for, gosh, Frank, seven months, eight months. Uh, thereabouts. I mean, I think it became yeah. kind of an idea, and then I would say um, it really started getting serious around Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, that. So for those who don't know, uh, Ringgate is something that Andy and I have been talking about. It basically is the idea that you have Disney Plus, but for data and data training and data skilling. And um, if you go to datachannel.tv, uh, you can sign up with a code that we will create right now. On the fly, uh, how about um, uh, launch listeners? I like that. Launch listeners. And we'll make sure we put the, that in Yeah, double checking the URL to make sure. I know we got a couple of uh, redirects out there, but yes, the uh, da- not the, but datachannel.tv. Yep, and we have a number of courses and content up there. Our goal is to keep this uh, at a price point that's way more accessible than Pluralsight. Um, so, uh, right now, uh, it'll be 497 a month, uh, or, uh, $147 a year. So, cool. um, yeah, that's the problem with doing a promo for something that you haven't quite launched yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hopefully by the time you listen to this, not only is this available on web, this is what's really kind of the catch that, that really makes it more like Disney plus is the idea that we'll be able to watch it on Roku on Fire Sticks, on Apple TV, uh, Google Chromecast, and any any major streaming platform. We, we will have an app launched for that. Yep, and we've been talking about this for a while, kind of teasing it. And the idea right. of launching a website, you know, sounds exciting, and it is. Uh, we, we totally get that. But um, we've said all along this was uh, kind of game-changing, at least for us. Right. And being able to have all of these apps available on all these platforms, I think, is is just amazing. And um, it's been a lot of work. Um, and but um, 
it's i mean we're there we're there now so we are actually jump in, check it hopefully, out hopefully we will have done a live stream official announcement but just in case this this yeah, is just here in to case. kind of poke and prod us um and one of the things that's coming up uh particularly um as franksworld.com keeps hitting um <laughs> bandwidth caps <laughs> because it's actually getting popular um, is I think that Andy and I are going to have to go from kind of our improv, normal improv kind of stance into more of a structured um, marketing, I mean, not structured marketing, but a, a content planning role, like coming up with a content calendar and things like that. We're, we can't get away with kind of our impromptu anarchist uh, <laughs> approach to content creation. Um, right. And just as luck would have it, um, we were introduced to our guest, uh, who is the co-founder and chief product officer at MarketMuse. MarketMuse is the industry-leading technology uh, and methodology for content planning and evaluation by semantic relevance. It combines AI, natural language processing, and machine learning to produce actionable insights for inbound marketers. Uh, and uh, Jeff uh, is kind enough to join us on the show. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Very excited to hear more about the uh, the data channel as well and all about that. I have, um, I, I'm a person who uses many Roku's in my house. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, have a, I, have a I have a room in my house with three TVs in it um, that is on a matrix such that I can have three independent things showing at once. Um, so Roku made that possible uh, for nice. real sheep. So um, yeah, nice. so I can have a I can have a YouTube channel on with my two and four year old, and then I can have you know two sporting events on the other two. <laughs> Very nice. nice. Yeah, Roku is really. Um, we first got our Roku, I would say maybe ten years ago, and it was like the Roku One or something like that. Yep. It was it was kind of cool. And then we we uh, you know we have a number of Roku's. Our our house right now is split between uh, Fire Sticks and Roku's. I like them both. People have asked me, like, which one do you like better? I was like, I like them both for different reasons. Um, mm. You know, there's a plural site app. This is what ultimately kind of kicked off the data channel idea was mm. um, uh, plural site is a uh, really awesome provider of, of online technical training. And they have an app for the Fire TV, but not for Roku. And there's mm. things that are on Roku that are not on the Fire TV. So I kind of find like I kind of have to have both. I'm in the same yeah. boat. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand Apple TV is also kind of cool as well. <laughs> um, I don't have one of those yet, but uh, who knows? <laughs> I love the idea that you're just about to jump into kind of editorial planning, strategic editorial planning. How do we get the most out of our audio content, video content? That's a big passion of mine. So hopefully we can talk about that today. too. Oh, awesome. Yeah, definitely. Because we, Andy and I produce a lot of content between our live streams and our, um, uh, you know, our podcast and, and, and our blogs, our respective blogs. But I think ultimately, I think, uh, you know, as, as Andy and I are often to sit back and marvel at our brilliance of the automated system that we've built. I also know, um, I also know that to go to the next level, and I think that's where Andy and I want to go, yeah. uh, we're going to need to level up our tooling and our approach. Right now, kind of the contents of our feeds, our live streams are generally kind of, uh, hey, I feel like streaming today. or <laughs> Right. <laughs> and this is what I'm going and to talk about. 
And, yeah, and I, I didn't laugh. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. I know. I was just going to say, I can tell you some stories, and I probably should today, about folks that had, you know, 300, 400 podcasts. And all the, all, the only way that that was represented on their sites was as show notes. Um, wow. no, no, no transcriptions, no annotation, no interwoven editorial, no, you know, no expansions, um, no linking. And it's just, it was a, you know, a traditional WordPress archive, date separated archive of show notes. Um, mm. And gone in, we've gone in and, you know, put the metal, put the hammer down on, on situations like that. And, and you know, 50 nice. X traffic to sites. I mean, nice. it really is a world changer, especially, you know, people have lives, you know, you don't realize that a, a podcast like this, the amount of words we say is dramatic. You know, and, and there's so much that can be done with that once it can be repurposed. And that's something that, um, you know, I've always been passionate about for, you know, gosh, a decade plus now. And it's not explicitly what I do at Market Muse, but it is a wing. You know, we, we help folks out to get, you know, their con all the content that they have, whether it's in a book form, whether they haven't written it and really take advantage of it. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, we like to say we set the standard for content quality, right? That's our tagline, right? I like that one, one of them, and uh, some sometimes it's about the fact that your your book isn't on the web, or your you know your audio is caught in a podcast archive, and that's it. And you know sometimes it's just about the fact that it hasn't made it to the web in a way that can be digested. So right, I've noticed that I've noticed a lot of the kind of the bigger name uh, content creators. You'll see their stuff repackaged and kind of re-sliced and sliced in different directions yeah. uh, and, and different vectors. And I always, uh, I wondered, why are they doing that? You know, uh, but as I understand it, it's just because you have it out on the podcast, you've already made the content. You might as well kind of make it and, and, and serve it up for a different audience. Say something like TikTok, you know, right. uh, little clips of things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or, what... you know, it depends on the target market. Too. Yeah. Right, Sorry. right. No, no, it's okay. I, and that I, I just want to give Frank a shout out because I, I laughed earlier when he was talking about, he said, Andy and I built these tools. That's not accurate. Frank has built these really cool tools for uh, automating some of the repurposing. And um, it's just, it, he does things like strip out the audio from a, uh, you know, from, from a talk like this. Uh, and if we do a video, a live stream, especially, he can just pull the audio out of that and repost it. And I believe it's as easy, Frank, as like aiming a YouTube URL at it. That's and, one of my and things. And this is something, yeah. yeah, he's had working for a few years now. Because Frank is a developer. He was, uh, gosh, you did a lot with uh, when you were an MVP back before you worked for Microsoft. Um, he did an awful lot with pulling things out. And it was, Jeff, it was sort of... Um, I think a similar goal is to what you're doing, just trying to repurpose content. And uh, I, I love the idea of applying, um, you know, applying machine learning AI to that concept. So we are all ears. We want to hear more about this. And like Frank said earlier, I don't know if we were recording at the time or not, uh, but there's an excellent, um, you know, an excellent chance we'll be communicating more after the podcast. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing for us. It's, it's you know, one big thing with content is understanding where you're at today. And that's, you know, traditionally been in the form of like subjective auditing. And, you know, what do I like? What do I not like? What do I want to be? What do I, you know, where do I have traffic coming? And it's not really thinking about 
the collective of what I have. It's not my, it's not a clear inventory of everything we've done. Right. And whether that was actually done high quality, if it's, you know, in our case, heavily focused on content. So is it exhibiting the signals, you know, that which an expert would have, you know, that would have exhibited if they had been the ones that written, had written this content. And so we are, you know, both at the page level, you know, that's where we started. We were analyzing pages to say, is this, does this page, you know, exhibit the signals of something that was written by an expert? We want to, you know, and that's one of the branches of, of artificial intelligence we focus on is natural language processing. And we're able to go and build out extremely high quality topic models that say, hey, if you were an expert and you were covering this topic comprehensively, how would you do it? And then we're able to cross-reference that with your content. You're able to cross-reference that with your entire site or competitors, for example, and say where yeah. you have an opportunity to win, but not only win, but be differentiated, which is key. There's so much copycat garbage going on right now. And right. We're, we're looking to tell you, what does it mean to be an expert? What is the stuff that if we were expert, we wouldn't have forgotten, you know? And then, you know, it, it, makes, it makes true experts superhuman because it gives them the lens of, oh yeah, right. If I'm covering content marketing strategy, obviously I need to be speaking about buyer personas and target market. But I might forget that if I'm a writer and I'm doing this with my own subjectivity or my own bias. Um, so we do a lot at the page level. We're also able to look at a site or a network. We work with a lot of large publishers, major retailers who have lots of sites. And we're able to tell them, you know, hey, if you're gonna go publish on this concept, you want to do it over here. You've got more authority over here on that one. But with this one, do it over here. Or you have to invest a lot. I mean, I had a B2B technology company um, recently. They had two product lines and um, they were like, we want to grow each business 40%. And I'm like, okay, that's going to be a big year for you. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I told them, you know, the technology spat out. It said, hey, this side on this topic, you're going to have to build about 240 articles and update about half of what you've written on these concepts to really dent this and get that predictive growth. Whereas over wow. here, it's over, whereas over here, it's about a quarter of that on this other product line. You know what they did? They said, we're putting all of our marketing budget for this year in this other product line. And they waited. They're like, hey, if this thing takes off, we'll have enough cash to spend on the other one. But I mean, so people are making business decisions with data. And it's not yeah. just subjective. And that's key to what I'm trying to bring is you don't just have to rely on your experts, but your experts are very important. So that's interesting. So you come up with a topic model. I think that's mm -hmm. the word you used. Yep. Uh, do, so do you have to say you want to come up with a topic model for, uh, do you have to come up with unique ones for each subject? Uh, so, uh, I mean, a quantum computing one would look different. How do you make that? Like, what's the process? Do you have a tool that create builds out these topic models? Yeah, uh, that's okay. a great question. Uh, so, our that's one of the core of our core pieces of our technology is we actually have two patents on it. Um, it is able to look at massive quantities of text content. So we have um, data. We have a you know data warehouse as well as we're able to go out and get fresh content live from the web and from some of our other sources. Um, that tries to get, I mean, we can look at hundreds of thousands of pages in seconds and process, wow. them, and process them and build a model that really represents what it would mean to be an expert. Um, 
And then imagine then you can cross-reference that with your page or cross-reference wow. that with the competitors in organic search, which is one of the core use cases. So you say, ooh, you know, I'm competing with this specific competitor. I'm not copying them. Traditionally, that's been a lot of what um, people trying to do this have done. They've looked at the number one ranking page and say, copy that. That doesn't work. It doesn't work for hmm. so many reasons. You know, uh, it's correlation. It's, it's, it's really just not sound advice. It ends up building a frail house um, hmm. and that, that crashes a lot. And, and we see it still happening with a lot of people who come crying to us that become customers. <laughs> They're like, hey, I listened to this other person that said to copy the top performer. <laughs> and we're like, no, 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 don't do that. You want to have expert class people looking at really high quality data. Um, and so we will look at that and bring that in. What that also does is you can cross-reference that to your whole site and say, hey, how much of an authority am I on quantum computing? How right. much coverage do I have? My breadth. I like to think of it as a cross and down. Breadth of coverage, depth of coverage. When I cover quantum computing, how well do I do it? Do I do it from a lens of an expert? Or right. am I writing some thin stuff? Did I have some crap that's old? <laughs> you know, and, right. and so we can yeah. actually walk through and say, here's your gaps. Fill the gaps. Right. And that's I'm I'm sorry. What I love about what you're saying, Jeff, is uh, and what occurred to me is, is when you're going after, say, trying to get on the first page of the search results or something like that. Or if your whole marketing strategy is aimed at, you know, knocking that competitor off the top, then that's all going through the filter of what's happening behind that engine. Right. It's all SEO behind that and what you're saying is something different you're looking for and it sounds like you built an engine that can go out and pick out the expert and beyond that pick out the expert voice mm -hmm. and then so you can advise true experts and say here's how you you know you get your your voice out there in a way that does more than just put you in the top 10. exactly right and, and it it differentiates too and, and this doesn't come kind of uh just overnight for me. I mean, I've been in this space. May 1st will be 22 years. I've wow. been, you know, focusing on search engine optimization, you know, kind of in its earliest phases, you know, I, I lead generation and conversion rate optimization. And, you know, my path, I worked for a company called Knowledge Storm early on, you know, from 99, 2000 to 2007 when we were acquired. And, um, you know, I was in that space very early on focused on search and focused on that side of it. Um, and when we were acquired by Tech Target, who was a big lead gen company, you know, the big thing that happened there is they had an editorial team. So I had all these processes that involved, you know, they were heavy focused on lead gen SEO. They were heavy focused on conversion rate optimization, pay-per-click kind of technologies. Um, it didn't have that expert level art involved. So I was handing those people data in spreadsheets and you know, do this. And they were saying, blankety blank, I ain't doing that. Who, who, who are you? <laughs> you know, who, who are you? Uh, you know, I've been, I've been writing about MFM hard drives since before you were born. Why would I listen to you, right, yeah. about what I should write? And so I, you know, over time built a lot of these manual processes that were just painful. I mean, 30 hours it would take me to build a manual topic model. Um, but the thing I learned was that writers, true experts, don't want to be told what to do. It has yeah. to come from, you know, quantify a, a shared plan, quantifiable data, 
that then their subjectivity can turn into something special. And that's when, you know, late in my time at TechTarget, I met my now co-founder, Aki Balog, and he had built the original MarketMuse technology and really not even a, a clean interface or anything like that. And it worked. And I handed this to a, to a group of writers and the right, the stuff they did manually did a, it pretty good because they're experts, right? But the stuff we yeah. built with MarketMuse was 5X the performance and I said oh boy and then soon wow. after I became the soon after I became the co-founder <laughs> the late co-founder because <laughs> I mean it, it was just so wild and we, so we've taken that from being page level all the way up now site level so I can say you know we're the only people who have a metric for topic authority so we can say your site is a super awesome on quantum computing but you're not about kitty cats don't go write about your top right. five it, you know, top five types of felines, you know, because it's not going to work. It's going to involve huge investment. But guess what? If you do want to write about cats, I can also tell you how much money you're going to need to spend and what you need to cover. Um, and so it takes the luck. I mean, we, we're taking the luck out of it and making content predictable. And that's key. That is awesome. Fascinating. <laughs> the idea that content generation can be almost an exact science, if not an exact science. Well, the wild thing is it's so correlation driven now that there's pundits out there, but when you, and, and then there's bad data points that are out right. there. And if you use them, they feel good. They feel good. But if you really dig in to what an average person who uses those data points or data sources yields, it's less than 50% reliable. So you might as well flip a coin. Um, and one of those is uh, looking at or prioritizing your content by you looking at Google search volume. Hmm. Um, if you think if you think that Google search volume is a really great predictor of even clicks when you achieve a result, you're wrong. And that for the for years has been a primary data point people have used. The reality is Google's adding all these search features. You see it. You get Twitter feeds. You get videos. You get products. Right. You get Right rail, you know, the click-through rate on search results is different per word. So it becomes this big O, M, N problem. It's like you've got to know every word and every competitive site and every SERP feature, search engine results page feature to be able to actually know what you're going to get out of it. And humans can't do that. And that's what we're building against. It's just stuff that you can't possibly analyze everything. And when you combine that with the fact that, you know, what I forget the number, but over 90% of the queries that the search engines receive are unique, mm. um, you know, they're, they're never going to come back again, you know. And, and so, you know, Google's tough job. They've got to figure out the best things to put in front of you. Um, well, I, and that's tough. Uh, Jeff, I came across this topic, just stumbled across it in the last year uh, called negative SEO. I, I'd <laughs> never heard of it. And I did a little bit of investigating, and to me, it just sounds like dirty tricks. Oof. Oh, gosh. Negative SEO is a whole different ballgame. I mean, so so just for anyone that's not familiar with SEO, search engine optimization, um, but there are, you know, historically, SEO has been broken down by the, you know, external forces into what's called white hat SEO and black hat SEO. Um, and, you know, negative SEO would fit into that black hat function and that's doing things that you know aren't necessarily playing by the rules or gotcha. ethics of a sound business and so negative seo would be definitely part of black hat tactics the key on black hat tactics right now is that you better you better not really care about your website because hmm. you know, google's big 
they're bad and they are smart. And, you know, <laughs> doing the right thing has always been what I've in content. I've been, you know, I was the person in 2008 to 10 crying at conferences about writing high quality content. And everybody's like, yeah, but we can still get away with this. Right. And, uh, and, and now it's all in vogue to be doing the right thing with experts. Uh, but it wasn't always that. Right. And so the negative SEO is just this whole other game. It's, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, some, some of it is based on negative reputation, uh, management. So you're actually doing bad product reviews. You're, um, you're pointing links to sites that appear to be against Google's guidelines. Um, you know, you're actually doing things for other people that, if they did for themselves would actually be illegal or against Google's guidelines. So it makes it look like they're actually doing something in a way that's bad. I mean, imagine, you know, you're competing, imagine you're competing with a, a you're an auto parts shop and you're competing with one down the road. And you know that if you um, buy links online through, you know, from, you know, let's say, uh, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, content forms, it could potentially get you banned or penalized. Hmm. Why well, you go do that for the auto parts store down the street? Okay. That's some that's some ugly baseball right there. And and yeah, so I you know that that's negative SEO, but that's that is so far away from what I do. But yeah, I've been I've been in this world for a very long time and and seen it all. I can probably answer <laughs> any SEO question you'd need. <laughs> so well, yeah, it that, sounds that, like that's a weird game. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like yours is doing like the opposite of that and right. and on steroids so you're building this in addition to just positive seo uh, you guys are actually building an uh, infrastructure i don't know the right word here but you're you're basically pointing out that your client is an expert in this and you're informing your client this is what you need to do so that you uh you know one side effect is that your seo goes up but it sounds like that's not the only side effect yeah, it's about engagement. It's about thought leadership. Um, and it's about getting rid of your, so the big one thing I often start a conversation with is there's a metric that we measure it. It's, you know, your brain is, is kind of busted. It's very biased. When you read content, you judge it, you say hit or miss, you say good or bad written by an expert or not. So you naturally have this bias. And over time, people, when they land on web pages for the first time, they become more judgmental and more able to process whether they trust someone or not. And so that goes down every year. Every year, there's a, there's a company called Content Science. They do a study of this. And every year, that gets more, and people get more and more judgmental. The bar keeps rising on what really? it means to have great content out there. And so, so that is another thing. If you've got crappy content out there, and people are landing on it, they're judging your brand. And they may never want to do business with you if the first thing they read from you doesn't resonate. Um, oh, so wow. being a thought leader and having that content out there and, you know, making sure that it is today's intent. I mean, imagine if you, you know, uh, imagine if you were writing about natural language generation, which is a field we also operate in, which I can get into. Um, imagine if you're operating in that field two years ago and you had, you know, the the perfect guide to NLG and you didn't update it. You know how outdated that would be <laughs> if someone landed on that today, they'd be like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is like eight generations old now. And now that all the things have happened. And so those are the types of things that we like to 
our team, our, our teams and our clients um, to, to, to stay on top of. And, and the only way to do it is to, is to really put, you know, put yourself in a position to be able to set the bar and keep things, keep things fresh and, and focused on thought leadership and expertise. Very interesting. That is interesting. I've noticed that there's um, a pattern I've noticed amongst YouTubers. Not this may not be directly related to kind of what you do, but they they they'll say they'll they'll append top tips, top ten tips for say NLP, and then they'll tack on 2021. <laughs> <laughs> is that kind of are they trying to future proof this, or are they trying to kind of you know if see people search you know say NLP. And then they'll see NLP 20, 2021. Oh, well, that's more current. Or is it both? So uh, strap in to your flight seat for this response. <laughs> there's, some, there's, some, there's about to be some, uh, some, some slight, rant, slight ranting going down. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of YouTube people telling you how to do this stuff, right, mm-hmm. is they, they're, they're coming at it strictly from one lens, and that lens is that of an affiliate marketer. Um, so they're giving advice that is, is heavily biased towards that audience. Um, and so when you see folks giving this type of advice, a lot of it, if you boil it down, if their site goes away tomorrow because something bad happens, they just, you know, bury it and go start another one because they're not makers. They're so affiliate. affiliate marketing for those uh, in the audience who may not know what that is, that's basically like when we say, hey, go to the datadrivenbook.com. And you, you know, you'll get a free audio book and that's an affiliate. Cause we're an affiliate of audible. Yeah. If you made a site, if you made a site that was like, you know, top five books about cookies, you know, right. and, that, and that was the extent of all that you authored. And the whole purpose of you having that site was for people to click on that book link and then you get a VIG, you know, that's fine. It's a big industry. It's one of the most heavily invested in industries. Um, hmm. But that isn't everyone's situation, and a lot of the advice one might receive on YouTube is heavily focused towards that audience. So that's part one of my answer. Part two to my answer is one of those methodologies. You know, when you're updating dates and it says 2021, it's very much tail wagging the dog. They will look at the search results and they'll say, "Oh, I see some search results that have dates in them." So thus, that might be the intent that Google wants for this. So I better do that. Mm. And that works only sometimes. It is best practice to keep all your pages up to date. And if the intent is appropriate and you test it, and it truly does drive additional click click through rate on the search results by you having that 2021 or whatever, that's a good thing. Um, And it is a best practice to keep your content up to date. It isn't a way to get around anything or to game the system as it sometimes right. is presented, but it is, it's just best practice. If you have a, um, you know, in my top content optimization solutions and the page hasn't been updated since 2018, I mean, you, you immediately are going to lose some trust with a land. Right. Mm-hmm. So how would that work for like a, a blog that keeps kind of their back posts as kind of like an archive? How would that, yeah. what would, what would that look like? Well, there's a couple things uh, with blogs. Uh, it's, you know, you do want to keep that, you know, you want to understand, first of all, make sure the mirror is clear. And that's one thing we do. And con- we have an on-demand content inventory and auditing solution. You can dive into any one of your pages you've ever written and understand, is this well-written? How's it doing? How strong is it? How powerful is it? 
who, what pages does it link to? What pages does it receive links from on your site? Um, one big mistake, I mean, this is, this is worth the price of admission for the podcast, I think, today. One big mistake is people publish and they link back to old stuff, but they don't go back to old posts and link to their new stuff. Mm. So what that does is it, it creates an artificial structure of the site. Mm. What you want your site to emulate is a HubSpoke cluster model that tells the story of all my stuff about this is all interlinked logically, and you want that to be maintained. And so going back and making sure you point forward to your new stuff and update and even update and maybe add a add some annotations to the post. Hey, you know, we also covered this in this recent post about NLP uh, where Stephen gets into this topic, blah, 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 blah. And then you're linking that. That can be a sound strategy. But with publishers, so for so long, they just published and then moved on to the next article. Um, the real great publishers now have, um, you know, content updating machines where they are updating their most important pages, whether important by authority and power that they have or important by traffic and, and money. Um, it, it, it's nonsensical right now to not be updating content religiously. And that's really where the winners are separated from the losers right now. So it sounds like that the long tail uh, in and of itself is no, is no longer enough. Yeah, definitely not. Um, and, and not only that is it's unpredictable. So hmm. you can't, yeah, you can't bet on long tailing, which long tailing would be if I'm going after an a, a topic, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Garage maintenance. And because I think I can't rank for, because someone, some SEO told me, you can't rank for garage maintenance. So just go for these really specific queries, right? How do you get bees out of your garage? What do you do if, you're, if your, uh, you know, garage door is moldy? Uh, you know, so you go write these really specific ones, hoping to get some long tail, quote unquote, traffic. Long tail meaning really explicit intent, which right. means if someone searches for this, there's no ambiguity of what they are searching for. Leaching down until it hurts. Exactly right. And then they're, they're, the, the old adage was if you did that enough, you could walk yourself into having some power on the more general concept. But that's like a, having a bunch of teeth and not having a jaw or a mouth. Mm. You've got to do both. Um, and I actually have a slide that looks like somebody with, you know, a couple teeth and, uh, <laughs> and no, mm. and that, that's a really good reference to like, you I mean, imagine a hub spoke that with no hub and that's what mm. true, that's the only, um, you know, cluster building needs pillars and needs power pages and it needs these central areas to truly represent what an expert would be. Cause think about it. If you only wrote one article on your site about, garage maintenance and it was specifically about how do you keep bees out of your garage are you really the expert on garage maintenance is that does that make sense that you mm. would actually or would it make more sense if you had written comprehensive guides to it if you had written a lot of temporal pieces that were more um you know time sensitive and you wrote early stage awareness content and you wrote maintenance content and you wrote comparison content you know You've got to have the entire buyer journey or information journey in your box to truly represent expertise or else you're just frail. You're standing on a, you know, you're standing on a glass box. And uh, that's what we see time and time again. Even last week, there was a huge update in Google that focused on 
um, fake product reviews and low quality product reviews. So people had built their entire house of cards on mediocre product roundups, you know, top five headphones for podcasting. Right. Right. And there was no substance. And those folks all got their, they all got slammed with a hammer last week. Hmm. Um, And so we see it time and time again, if the house is made of cards, uh, it will fall. And um, you can't afford that if you're a big brand. Well, it also seems that a lot of these businesses take a pretty heavy dependency on Google. Yeah. And that you're beholden to whatever changes they make. Yeah, I mean, think about. Uh, so I'm on. I'm actually uh, speaking about this uh, next week, um, or maybe even this week. I don't know what the hit is these days. <laughs> um, but there's, there's a concept called zero, zero day zero day searches. No, zero click searches. And so there's search results that, at one time in the world, got you know, if you were number one in the Google for this search, you would get you know, thirty one percent of the clicks. Um, right now, you get zero, even if you're number one. Because there's ads, there's features, or Google just decided they're just going to answer the question on the search result. Oh, wow. And they might answer the question based on their knowledge. They might actually just take a snippet from your site and throw it on the search results so no one has to click. I have seen <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so imagine that, right? You're, you know, you're measured by traffic. And all of a sudden, Google's taking a snippet from your site, throwing it on the search result. No one clicks on it anymore because they got the answer. Um, and, you know, with what we call no simple and K-N-O-W dash simple intent, we actually have an intent classifier in our platform. Um, and what we call that is that's the, you know, what's the capital of North Dakota, right? Someone types that in. They just want to know the capital of North Dakota. They don't want to know, you know, what the best greasy spoon diner in Bismarck is. They just want to know that it's Bismarck. And, and, and right. so the, the, you know, that's the kind of thing where that, that can become a zero click search overnight. And that's why search volumes, another reason, yet another reason search volume is a garbage data, data field. This, that's all, it's all directional. You shouldn't be planning your, you shouldn't be planning your entire company's future based on search volume. And if you are, which unfortunately your brain's going to break when I say this more than 70% of businesses use that as their primary data source. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah pain and another metric they use is uh instances of ads or pay-per-click competition on those words so they've correlated that to difficulty and and it's completely unreliable it's uh yet another garbage data source that people have relied on for years you know the engineer in me is digging that you're looking at or you're kind of transforming uh your customers from looking at scalers to looking at vectors and you can do so much more with vectors, right? Because you can start, uh, you know, you can start doing head to tail analysis of them and how they interact that, that sort of thinking uh, around it. And it just, it just makes me all giggly inside as an engineer. <laughs> My background's in computer science. Um, and ah. I was, I was, yeah. So I, I went to Georgia tech uh, and uh, computer science uh, did a lot of usability theory work and user interface software. And also, some of the earliest versions of like intranet tech search and things like that. So I was, I've, I've always been into this concept of, of make it better, faster and um, think critically about the value of the data you're using. Um, and, and usually, and I was like, the, also another thing is, you know, I, I believe in 
people are so biased to the outcomes of machine learning being simple. They don't think about how hard it actually was to get done. It's just, you know, right. when it becomes simple, it just feels like, oh, that must be easy. And it becomes devalued. And that's really a, a pain of, I think, modern data science and engineering and machine learning is once you make it really good, it kind of feels like a commodity, but it never is if it's an outcome of machine learning. It's not a commodity. It just feels like a commodity. It's like the first time you asked your Amazon Echo question and it didn't work. Now it works almost all the time. And you're like, oh, it's a commodity that I will ask something into the air and they will answer it right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, over time, it, it, it just, it, it's not a commodity. Nothing, none of this stuff is a commodity. And like with us, it's like now with natural language generation becoming in Vogue, which we actually have built um, the only competitor for OpenAI and, market, uh, and uh, Microsoft, by the way, hmm. is us. Um, by the way, yeah, I heard Microsoft was, was pointed out here. They are, the, they are the primary reseller of OpenAI's GPT-3 library uh, and language model. We built our own in-house. We, that's one thing we do. We build everything ourselves. We try not to rely. I always like to say AI versus API. Because a lot of people go out there and they say that they're AI engineers and they're not. All they are is using other people's APIs or open source libraries. Um, and, you know, OpenAI built GPT-3. And then Microsoft is the main reseller of that. You know, we're the only people who have built something usable and functional for content generation. And we're able to do that. One thing Market Media builds is we have an on, on uh, you know, the ability to build outlines for, for content in the form of content briefs. So we actually can feed our content brief into our generation system and write the first draft of the article. That's impressive. In those guidelines. And that's called, it's called market media's first draft. And it's the only thing that stands up to Microsoft and open AI. So it's really fun when you're a, a, you know, a a 45 person kind of startup, and mm-hmm. your only competitor is OpenAI and Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> our, our win rate is pretty low, but we're kind of crazy. So, you know. Well, you're, well it sounds good. like you're punching way above your uh, weight class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad we're, spot. <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> we, would, we would just love them to get us in the ring because we know we win head to head. It's just they don't want to let us even into the ring. So we have to win oh, the other way. Right. We have to win the other way. <laughs> Well, we have some questions we love to ask our guests, um, uh, a collection of uh, eight questions, and we sent these to you ahead of time. I hope you had a chance to review them, Joe. Yes. Um, our first one is, how did you find your way into data? And kind of along with that, did you find data or did data find you? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, I mean, as old as I'd say, um, I knew I wanted to, I mean, I used to have an uh you know, 386 step B1 computer open on my brother's bed with fans shooting on it. So it wouldn't die, you know, <laughs> uh, when I was in, you know, sixth grade and, you know, I'm, uh, and so I always knew that computers was going to, were going to be part of my life, but I'd say being at Georgia tech and, and the, the class program that that is, is where I realized that, you know, some way, shape and form, it was going to be there. Um, but I'd say that only at, during the second half of my time, at Tech Target, um, did I really have a heavier focus on um, on data analytics um, and that really the the nuanced parts of that? Um, so I'd say that I always knew it was going to be something, but 
you know, really wanting to understand how um, web traffic turned into value um, was how it led me to where I'm at now. Interesting. Um, so what's your favorite part of your current gig? Oh, my, my favorite part of my current gig. So you had said I'm chief product officer, but the fun story there is I actually just transitioned to chief strategy officer. So I used Ooh. to own kind of the product data science, engineering and marketing teams, mm -hmm. but we've progressed and matured as a business. So I actually have a CTO and a VP of marketing who lead those teams. I'm not even, they're not my reports anymore. Uh, and my focus is on horizon scanning and our true like future uh, innovations. And one of them is in the natural language generation field. We also are launching a data solutions offering, which is basically data feeds, APIs that people can't get anywhere else. Um, so like you can buy from us, you know, the top 100 million search result pages all in one data blog, data blob. Um, you can, you know, buy, you can, you know, have, we have a lookup API that gives you, um, information about any keyword on the fly. So we have a lot of these things that are kind of behind the scenes. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm focused on those. So I think the best part of my current gig is that I get to watch the horizon, watch the industry and be kind of the face of market muse. Who's, you know, able to, you know, show the passion every day and makes me happy. Very cool. So we have three complete these sentences. Uh, our first one is when I'm not working, I enjoy blank. Um, I've got a four and a half year old and a two and a half year old and a wonderful wife. I, every, every minute I'm not working, I try to be with them. Um, it's, it, nice. it's been a dramatically negative on my golf game, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, Next, complete the sentence is, I think the coolest thing in technology today is. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I always answer these kinds of questions with two answers, but I think it's personalization and language, natural language generation. Um, I think the innovations into personalization and what people thought weren't going to be possible, um, you know, where you could actually have a truly customized website experience for where somebody is in a buy cycle, who they are at the account level or at the person level, um, kind of that user experience optimization through personalization and then generation, generating content at scale is scary for some, but amazingly empowering for an expert. If you have the ability to have your, editorial sensibilities covered well and you're confident in the content that you put out and you go from being able to write one article to 20 the world changes overnight it's the most important thing happening right now is yeah. generation wow excellent that's like extreme personalization almost exactly <laughs> wow that, that is so cool um our last complete the sentence, I look forward to the day when I can use technology to blank. Get better sleep. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, with a two and a half and a four and a half year old, Frank and I, we're right there yeah. with you. Yeah, that's my, that's one thing that I, as a person who uh, was up every hour last night, um, oh. for some odd reason, they had spring break last week. And so having then now getting back to school and, um, uh, I'd say that 
you know, getting some extra Z's would be truly nice. Um, but, I, you know, it's, it's more seriously, I'd say um, I can use technology to uh, confidently predict the future. <laughs> I like that. that. That's a good answer. And uh, all right. So our next question is share something different about yourself. Although we do like our cleans iTunes rating and we'd like to keep it. And there might be kids in the car <laughs> for a lot of our listeners. Um, one thing people don't always know about me is I'm the also the co-founder of a beer brewery based in Georgia. Oh, very um, cool. So we're a production oh, brewery. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, we, uh, we actually opened during COVID, um, during the middle of COVID last year and have had a lot of success. It's not something I spend a ton of time on, but I, it is a passion of mine and um, yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of success. Oh, very cool. Excellent. So where could people learn more about you, Jeff? Um, I am always available on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Jeffrey underscore coil, Jeff at marketmuse.com. Um, I answer everything. Um, as you can probably imagine, I'm, I, I kind of don't sleep a lot. Uh, but yeah, I'd give you my cell phone if that was kosher. On, on, on <laughs> it's really, if you've got any thoughts about, you know, you just know, you, I want to own this topic or I know my content isn't good. Or the one I love is 90% of my traffic goes to one page and I hate the page or I haven't updated it in four years. Like, what do I do? I feel like I'm stuck. You know, like we get a lot of those types of questions. If, if any of those resonates or you just think that you're getting some bad advice um, from a marketer or whatever, you know, we can set it. We can set you at least up in the right framework so you can play ball. Uh, and, and that's really reasons why you'd want to reach out. You just, you just know things should be better with content. One of the yeah. metrics we look at is content efficiency. And what that means is how many articles did you create or update and how many of them achieved the goals? And the unfortunate average there is about 10%, which means that the true cost of content in the market is 10x what people think it is. So if you have someone in your team that says content costs 100 bucks, ask them, how much of that content is successful? And if they say 10%, like, ah, it's actually a thousand. And then their brain will, their brain will break. And they're like, what do we do? And then that's when you call me. <laughs> I like it. I like it. How do we, um, how do folks engage with you? Like how would, how would folks like want to reach out? Obviously Twitter and stuff like that. But if they, if they have those questions, do they just reach out to you directly or go to your website? Uh, our website, we have a drift um, bot. It's normally it's a person. Uh, sometimes it's a drift. Ask those questions into the drift. It'll it'll help you out. Um, you also can sign up. We have a trial on our site. We have self service offerings everywhere from seventy nine bucks a month, all the way up to a couple hundred dollars a month. Uh, we also have customers that spend a half a million dollars a year with us. So if oh, you're wow. a serious if you're a serious organization who kind of lives and dies by content, um, you know we've got a way to make you. A superpower. I mean, we have the most powerful publishers, e-commerce, um, B2B technology companies use Market Muse for, you know, we have companies that get a thousand, thousands of briefs per month, and they have one that rides along with every article they write. It's their source of truth. Um, wow. So no matter who you are, if you are one of those more mid-market enterprise clients, hop in there, fill out a form, shoot a note to the bot, we'll get you hooked up. I mean, it's, it can be a, a quick win. I mean, especially updating content. I mean, I don't know. I'll tell you how many times we go in, update the top 10 articles that we say, 
need updating, they update them, you know, see a major gain and we got you for life. It's like, you know, that's wow. the drug. That, that's the drug that won't, <laughs> won't right, let up. Right. <laughs> so. Well, very cool. Um, Audible is a sponsor, as Frank mentioned earlier, and uh, people Audible. can go to thedatadrivenbook.com. And if they go there, you can get a free uh, subscription for a month. And if you, um, if you know, you get a free audio book, I should say. And, um, but if you do sign up for the monthly subscription, uh, we get a little bit uh, out of that and it helps keep the lights on and uh, fund our, uh, our podcasting habit. Um, what we like to ask guests is, uh, do you listen to audio books or read books? If you do, can you recommend a good book? Yeah, I, I, I love Audible. Uh, and um, I am an audio book person and a podcast person. I have a really hard time reading, getting the time to read. So my anytime I'm in the car, it's, you know, it's audio books, it's podcasts, or more recently, it's been Clubhouse uh, too, <laughs> which is a little <laughs> bit of a different thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have a couple of great books that I recommend, but I'd say one of them is I'm really into storytelling um, and the art of storytelling and, and improv. Um, Matthew Dick's book, Storyworthy, is one that if you haven't listened to it, it's a must listen. Um, I love that book and kind of everything that comes out of Matthew Dick's mouth. So Awesome. Yeah. That's story worthy. And he has another, he has a couple other great books, um, but I'd say that'd be one I would nail down if you're interested at all in storytelling. Very cool. Well, awesome. Anything else uh, you'd like to add, Jeff? No, it's just a pleasure speaking with you guys. And oh, I, miss car talk. I miss car talk. And you brought it up. Now I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I, miss car talk. I have to go back and listen to some old car talk episodes. And there's nothing even close. So, you know, it's nice having a, <laughs> this type of dynamic on something I care so much about. And Hey, yeah, when the TV channels come on, uh, I'm, I'm ready. So just let me know. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. We definitely will engage and I encourage everyone out there to um, take a look at um, Jeff's company. And um, uh, I think it's, what's interesting about that. It's not just for content creators, but also it's uh, for product companies to kind of get the real edge and make sure that they're, uh, content marketing efforts are not built on a house of cards. Yeah, great stuff. Marketmuse.com, right, Jeff? You got it. Marketmuse.com. We've got an amazing blog. Uh, we have a content strategy crash course that'll take you a weekend to read, but it is, you know, lights out, just an instant level up for you and your team. Go check it out. Nice. Awesome. And we'll let the nice British lady end the show. Thanks for listening to Data Driven. We know you're busy and we appreciate you listening to our podcast. But we have a favor to ask. Please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to us. You have subscribed to us, haven't you? Having high ratings and reviews helps us improve the quality of our show and rank us more favorably with the search algorithms. That means more people listen to us, spreading the joy. And... Can't the world use a little more joy these days? Now, go do your part to make the world just a little better and be sure to rate and review the show.